Will you join me in prayer? Father, we, uh, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Um, Lord, we thank you that, that we do get to wake up to new morning mercies. Uh, we get to wake up as those who are in Christ with all our greatest problems resolved and solved. And no matter what our worries are, we may, we, we may have tons of them. We have, may have tons of anxieties in our broken brain and heart and mind. But if we could fix our eyes on the finished work of Christ and to know that we are in you, many of our worries would cease. Our worship would increase. Our worries would decrease. And we would see the light of the glory of the gospel that shines through the face of Christ. But to, to see that, we need much help. And so, Lord, we ask right now, um, Holy Spirit, that you would help us, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds to see clearly. Uh, Lord, that we would see the glory of the gospel, that in the, in the light of that truth, we might see ourselves more accurately. And that your kindness would, and your mercy would lead us to repentance, to, to lead us to change. That we wouldn't run from the throne of grace, but we would, we would draw confidently near, knowing we're going to be met with love. We're going to be met with grace. We're going to be met with mercy. We're going to be met with the smile of the king who's done all to allow us to have the privilege of having a seat at the table. And so, Father, I pray you would do that. Um, Lord, I pray that you would do all the heavy lifting today. Uh, Lord, help us to be a prayerful people. Um, I I can't do that, but you can. And so, Lord, I pray you would press it upon our heart and our mind to, to be in just good communion with you, that we would just enjoy talking to the God of the universe who knit us in our mother's womb, who sees us, who knows us, who loves us, that we wouldn't make it a complicated thing, but that we would just pray what we got and we would grow in our prayer lives. There's one thing our church and every church that I've ever met needs to grow in. It's this. It's this because it's the most humbling thing in the world to realize we can't do anything apart from you. And so, Holy Spirit, Do this work in our hearts, in our minds, for your glory, for the good of this church, and for the joy of all people. We ask this in Christ's beautiful name. Amen. I have a little note here. It says, if you're new, you're not. Skip. Um, And that's okay. You just expect this on Mother's Day as a new church plant, right? I'm going to church with mom. She's what she always wanted, right? You just expect, you got some transient folks, and they do the thing. Um, but I do want to make sure that we just stay on point, stay focused. Our church for the city church exists. Here's why we exist as a corporate people to magnify Jesus, right? To, to make his name and renown famous. Okay. He's already famous. We just want to bring that into light to the onlooking world, right? How do we do that? By making disciples who what share verbally and show the way we love one another the way we love our families the way we love the city the transforming power of the gospel and plant churches that multiply that multiply that's why we exist so we've been going through this sermon series called sent this is the third ser- sermon in that series next week pastor kevin will be he'll be preaching so keep him in prayer this week as he has a full week with just life and a couple of jobs and all the different things keep him in prayer i'll be actually at saving grace in indiana they asked if i would come and preach it's one of our partnering churches so that's where i'll be pray for me you're gonna have a great sunday make sure you're here not in saving grace if i see you there i'll be like why are you here because you should be here this is your church this is your gathering right i'm just out for the day um but, but here's the thing, sent, one word, well, we've been talking about it, 333, mission 333, three months, June, July, August, three people we want to identify, and you'll see on your map today, there's three lines, and you're going to write down three people's names on those lines, hopefully, I mean, unless you're stubborn and you just don't want to listen, but I would want you to write them down, that's my encouragement to you, and then we're going to do three things over the next three months, and today we're going to talk about one of those. It's prayer. It's where it begins. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray, 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 pray for these three people who are not yet convinced of the gospel. Then next week, you're going to hear about um, ways that we might be able to care for them. Okay? Individually, corporately, um, 
But then the last, last piece of the three things we're seeking to do is, is share. Share the gospel verbally. Um, there's other ways we might be able to get that done through handing out a very good gospel resource and all the different things. All I want to do is equip you for that work, right? So today we're talking about prayer. Um, you and I all have people in our social networks, right? Um, neighborhood, work, play that we all know who are lost. You could say that. I don't know if I even like, I mean, it's a good Bible term. Um, but unsaved, that's a good Bible term. But I'm going to say unconvinced of the gospel, right? And all those three, I think, convey what I'm talking about. And we know we should be praying for them, right? I think I mean, this is not rocket science. Like, wow, we should pray for those who don't know Jesus. Like, didn't know that. Thanks, Pastor Scott. But here's the thing. Many times, if we can be honest, that, that doesn't dominate our prayer life. If we just be honest. All, when I say that, I don't mean like you people. <laughs> like, I mean us, right? It doesn't dominate our, our prayer life. See, because here's the thing. It's natural to pray for things that you care for and are passionate about. I mean, you want to know somebody, you want to know what's so close to their heart. Boy, if you could know their prayer life, you'd know it. You would know it. I mean, think about what you pray for, and that should reveal to you what are the things that, that are just always in the gears, the back of your mind, churning, right? Um, if you could see their pocketbook, I think you would know what, what it is that motivates them and drives them as well, right? Time, what do they give their time to? Both of those would do that, but prayer specifically, I think, boy, that, that's a revealer. That's a big revealer. And so our prayer lives reveal what we're passionate about. The question is, is does our heart, do our hearts line up with the heart of God and what he's passionate about? And, and that's a good question you should ask yourself often. And the only way you can really know that is through the Bible. You, you can't know that by a fuzzy feeling. You can't know that. You can only know what is truly at the heart of God by what he reveals in his word. This is why we come to the word of God, to know him, to know his heart. That's how we have relationships. It's how he primarily talks to us. It's not through fuzzy feelings. It's not how I feel or what I want. That's generally you speaking to you. When we open the word of God and we, we read the revealed word of God, we know God as he reveals himself through his word. Well, prayer's a response to that. Prayer's a response to that, right? So we got one verse we're going to be working through today. We'll have other verses, but this is the main verse. And that's always dangerous because it's like, well, what's the context, Pastor? Good question. I hope you ask that. And we'll talk a little bit about that, but do your own homework. Read Romans 9, 10, and 11 today, and I think you'll get a good understanding of it. But here's the verse that we're going to look at, Romans 10, 1. And it says this. I'll give you a little more context in a moment. It says this, it says, brothers, just talking to the church, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, and he's specifically talking about the Jewish people who are yet to believe in Christ, is that they may be saved. That's Paul's, it's his prayer. The context of this particular text is the situation that, that Paul has described in Romans chapter 9 there's a lot there, is a growing majority of the church was Gentile, not Jewish, not quote-unquote God's Old Testament people. They were those who ate bacon, wore, they wore their mixed tweed, they, didn't, they weren't God's quote-unquote chosen people, and the church that, that God's raising up, more and more of them, they're outnumbering the Jewish people. Which, which by the way, that just means that the Gentiles were more responsive to the gospel than the Jews. And this, Paul was a Jewish man. He was sent to the, the Gentile world primarily, but his heart is in anguish. And, and, and what's crazy is even though the Jews knew God's Old Testament, and they were God's Old Testament people, those who were, quote-unquote, far from God, the Gentiles, were responding much more favorably to the gospel message. The ones who knew the most about God did not come to know God, while the ones who knew the least about God came to know God best. And this broke Paul's heart. It broke his heart. This all matters deeply to Paul. Why? Simply put, because it matters deeply to Christ. 
It, it matters deeply to Christ. And, and Paul is a man after this man's heart. And hopefully you and I are people who are after the heart of Christ, right? So the first thing I think we need to look at, though, is this. And it's point one. It's not even on your map because I wrote the map before I wrote the sermon. That's dangerous, but it works. It was a crazy week, uh, but it was crazy good. Point one is God's desire. And if we're going to pray, we've got to know the word to inform our prayers. And when we know the word, we know God. And when we know God, we know his heart. And when we know his heart, we know how to inform the prayers that we're praying to God. You see it in the text, right? He says, brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God, to God. I'm praying to God, is this. So we see God's desire. And Tim Keller helps me out with, with defining prayer succinct. And he says this, prayer is a personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God. And I said plainly, said clearly, I like that. See, when we pray to God for our unsaved friends, relatives, neighbors, and, and even enemies, we are so close to the heart of God. Think about it. Our Savior, while hanging on a cross, naked, beaten, bloodied, what did he do? He, he came on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost, and, and he revealed his heart as he prayed for them. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He's, he's about to give up his spirit to the hands of his father. And the, one of the last things he says is, Father, forgive them. He's praying. He's, he's praying. By the way, that prayer will be answered in an amazing way at Pentecost. When many people, 3,000, will be an answer to that prayer. Father, forgive them. This wasn't a, oh, okay, I'll forgive them all. No, Forgiveness comes through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus, but that prayer would be answered in a mighty way at Pentecost when Peter stands up to preach the gospel and 3,000 had their hearts just cut and they repent and they believe in the Messiah. And in that moment, they received the forgiveness that he just prayed for while on the cross. It's, it's beautiful. Take time to think and meditate on the heart of Christ here. This passage Romans 10.1 ought to move our hearts to love for Christ, who is the friend of sinners. By the way, that's all there is until Christ saves and redeems and then causes you to be a child of God, right? Um, does it stagger you that Jesus is kind to the ungrateful and the evil? Or have you just become so complacent with the good news of Jesus that it's just like, yeah, we know that. I mean, we should never have our hearts calloused and dull in that way. If that's where you're at, then confess that's where you're at and cause, ask the Lord to cause your heart to sing to the good news. That Christ delights to save sinners, right? If you're like me, then you're, you're probably kind um, to people who are kind to you. It's, it's easy to pray for those who are, 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 that you like that you love, that you enjoy, right? But that's not what we see here. Christ is loving those who are killing him. They're murdering him, and he's praying for them. He's praying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I mean, that, even that phrase is, is very interesting. They know what they're doing. This is what they do. They're executors, right? Like they executioners. They nail people to a cross. Jesus is not the only man in history who's been nailed to a cross. Romans were professional executioners. They know what they're doing, but they don't know the depth of what they're doing. They're killing God incarnate. They're killing the man Christ Jesus who came to save them. And in their, their bloody hands, in that moment, in that act of killing Christ, what they're doing is making a way for them to come to faith and enjoy relationship with God. They, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. He's praying for the Father to have mercy because he's full of mercy. You and I won't pray for the lost in our lives, in our neighborhoods, to our enemies, for our enemies, until our hearts understand the gospel. Plain and simple. Make no mistake about it. Our Savior desires that all people be saved. Now, I know some churches, if I were to say that, they would, antennas would go up, and they'd be like, that ain't true. The only problem with that is the Bible. I'm not saying that's the reality. 
I'm not saying that's what will happen. But the heart of God is that all people would be saved. Well, where's that? Great question. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 6. And see if you can, you do not have to be a Bible scholar to catch it. I'll, I'll emphasize a little bit just so you can see it. So you can hear it. So you can understand it. So Paul says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. By the way, for those who don't know Greek, like me, I've heard all means all in the Greek. So just don't think there's something fancy happening here. It just means all. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all, there's that crazy word again, people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And it seems pretty clear. Seems plain as day to me. God desires that all people be saved. So much so that he has done everything in and through the person and work of Christ to make that possible. He's done it all. When we pray for the salvation of our unsaved friends or enemies, we are simply sharing in the explicitly communicated heart of God. You're in alignment with his heart when we do this. When we pray for the lost, we are so near the heart of God. Because he loves lost people. He loves those who are far from him. Make no mistake about it. Christ accomplished many things in his coming, in his putting on flesh, in his leaving the throne and dwelling among us, in tabernacling, however you want to say it, he accomplished many things. But all those things were one aim. One aim. And if you boiled it all down, here is the aim. He came so that sinners who could never draw near to God could draw near to God and have life and relationship with God Almighty. Everything else was a means. Everything else was a means to accomplish that end. Why? Because that glorifies God's grace to the world. That's why. That's why He came. This is why churches ought to be about the business of seeking to see Jesus save the lost. Well, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. God desires that all people be saved, and he does that through means. And the means is his bride, his redeemed people, those who have come and tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Oh, I want you to know him. I want you to enjoy him. I want you to love him. And I know I can't do anything to cause that to happen, but he's called me to do things that he will use to cause that to happen in your heart. Primarily, praying, caring, and sharing. That's why, I mean, we're trying to keep this very simple, right? This is gospel 101 work. So, so that's, a lot more can be said. That is point one. This is God's desire. This is what he longs to see happen. Hopefully you see that. Point two is our desire. Our desire. Same text, Romans 10.1. Brothers, my heart's desire. Paul is a man who is, is aiming to please God. And in aiming to please his father, he looks like dad. Right? He looks like his father. And if that's his desire, then this is my desire. It's my desire that they would know the Lord and be saved. Do you have a heart to pray for the lost like Jesus prayed and like the Apostle Paul prayed? Like I said, our lives, our prayer lives, um, whether we pray at all or what we pray for, truly reveals our heart, what we love most, right? Our innermost desires. Um, and, and, and it reveals what we believe about God, right? It, it really does. John Knox uh, said this once. He said, give me Scotland or die. He said, give me Scotland or I die. 
What he means by give me Scotland, he went there to see this people saved. And he is in his prayer saying to God, give me Scotland or I die. Okay. George Whitfield once said, oh Lord, give me souls or take my soul. <laughs> Whoa, that's tense. Henry Martin, who mourned when he had to see other people trapped in false religions would cry out, quote, I cannot endure existence if Jesus is to be so dishonored. You're like, well, those are just people. How about the Apostle Paul? How about the Apostle Paul? Romans 9, 1 through 3. Listen to what he says. This is all the context of where he got to Romans 10, 1. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I, listen, have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish, listen to this, that I myself were accursed, under the wrath of God, he means, cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, he means the Jewish people, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I mean, every time I read that, I mean, do you hear the emotional agony that he's, the, the, the turmoil, the language he's using is very stark, right? I desire to join the Apostle Paul with this kind of brokenheartedness and gospel seriousness in my life. The question is, is how? Because <laughs> if we're real, my heart don't always feel that. My heart doesn't align with that. I don't think I've ever prayed, well, Lord, just save them whatever it takes, even if it were I were just to be cast away from your presence. Now, I don't think he's primarily saying, but he's, trying, he's reaching for language that you would understand. Man, this should be our heart and our aim in our lives. The one thing that Paul and the other men that I quoted had in common was that they they know what it is like to enjoy Christ's righteousness. I start there. They know what it's to enjoy forgiveness and freedom and life with God. They know it to the core of who they are. And they also understand the conscience rejection of God and his offer for salvation and, and really what happens with that. What is the result of rejecting your Savior? They understood the gospel. Plain and simple, that's what they understood. They understood the clear word of God. And that motivated a prayer like that. You can tell by someone, and I don't say this, that you're like, oh, I don't ever want to pray. You'll judge it. I don't even think like that. I'm just like, yeah, Jesus, we're praying with you here on this one. But you can tell if someone's steeped in the word by how they pray. Because it just comes out. I mean, when I first started praying, it was... It was where I was at. I was just praying what I got. And so that's where you're at. Just do that. But as you grow in the word, your prayer life will grow because you're growing in the understanding of who God is. It just happens, right? Prayer is always a tricky sermon because everybody's like, I already feel guilty about not praying. Don't let guilt be your motivator. You'll never pray. Let glory be your motivator, right? Let, ask God to just make your heart sing for his praise. And then when you do, you'll pray. You will pray. You know, Paul had a pretty radical conversion, right? By the way, all conversion is radical. You've never met, and well, it was just kind of ordinary. No, they went from spiritually dead to spiritually alive, from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, from an enemy of God to a child of God. There's no conversion of coming to faith that is not stupendous and a miracle. But when people say radical conversion, we know what they mean, right? Oh, like you were hooked on whatever. There's kids in the room. Happy Mother's Day, right? Like I just, I reminded as I look at dads, I'm like, whoa, keep it in check here, big guy. Um, but the apostle Paul, he was, he was a radical terrorist towards Christians. He was like Osama bin Laden. And, and people were praying that God would just crush that dude's skull. 
They, they were just praying, like, just do away with him. And you're like, well, I see that in the Old Testament precatory prayers. But here's the thing. I have a friend who's not on her head. We're praying, Lord, save him. Make this man an apostle to the Muslims. That's Paul. And Paul, man, when you taste the forgiveness of God in that way, and all of you, if you're in Christ, have received great grace, great mercy, what happens is you can't help but think of those who are far from him and have your heart desire that they come to know God. If, if not, and, and I'm serious, if not, something's out of alignment. Something, something needs to be brought into what is God's heart in your heart. Maybe, and I'm just going to go for the big one, maybe you don't know him. But let's just assume you do, because you're here and you're seeking to, you know, it takes a special person to gather at a, a church plant. It takes a particular weirdo and most of them are saved, right? It really does. So let's just assume you know the Lord. Let's assume you're saved. I'm a weirdo too, but I mean, it's, we're a special bunch. Um, but if you're like, I just don't have any thought about those who don't know Christ, you, you, you need to ask for much help much forgiveness and think on the gospel think on the forgiveness of God those who have received grace and mercy will be full of grace and mercy towards those who have not received it's just a fact it's just a fact I've never met someone who's understood received the beauty of the gospel and not been concerned we all can grow heartbroken for those who are far from Christ I just haven't met them they don't exist this is what it means, by the way, to be mature in Christ. There's other things, but primarily this is what it means. I mean, way too many people, by the way, measure maturity in Christ by attempting to keep up with like some Christian subculture. I was just introduced to a people that the, the pastor, the lead guy, doesn't allow his staff to have beards or facial hair. And I'm like, that's so weird. This is so weird. If I could have had time to talk, I told him, that's, that's weird. It's weird. Like, it's extra biblical. And then what was funny is one of the guys said, well, just so you know, uh, one of the guys you quote all the time, Spurgeon, yeah, he had a beard. And we're pretty sure Jesus had one. So just throwing that out. So they couldn't have been on staff. Jesus and Spurgeon. That's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. But some people will align themselves with, with a subculture that might even have some goodness in it, right? I get it. But it's based mainly in morality, detached from the gospel, and they think they're growing. You're, you're not. You know what you're growing in? You're growing in a hard heart. You're growing in being calloused. You're growing to be a Pharisee. If that's the way you're growing, if you're more concerned about the subculture and you're more concerned about what my friends on whatever little level of Instagram or this and that think because of the things I might say or the things I might do. No, we ought to be mindful of, of what honors God and what does not honor God. We don't want to sin. We don't want to do things that would cause people to look at us and think, whoa, they're, they're outside of what God would you know, call us to do. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about we're just shiny, happy, bright little people. And we think that that is growth. Look at me. I don't hang out with people who do these things, and I don't do them. I'm growing in the Lord. Can I just tell you, you might be, but chances are you're probably not. Our walk with Jesus is not primarily about what we don't do. Not primarily about what we don't do. But it's what we do in response to the explicit gospel. Primarily, ready? Love. And not like, oh, I love you. I feel like all the little warm butterflies in my belly like a Care Bear love. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about love, which it's compassion that's met with action for the beloved. I, I do. Paul said, I would throw me from your presence if it means they would come to faith in you. Oh, I don't pray like that. <laughs> I don't pray like that at all. Oh, God, help me to pray like that. 
Paul's essentially saying, I would give up all the benefits of knowing Christ if somehow that meant my Jewish brothers and sisters were saved. You know, one of your first prayers, if you're like me, ought to be, Lord, break my heart. I don't know who said it. Someone else said it. Break my heart for the things that break yours. Break it. Crush it. And and give me one that's more like yours. Give me one that's flesh. Give me one that's humble. Give me one that responds to your word, that longs to obey. Give me a tender heart. Boy, if if we all just committed to praying that, you might be amazed at what God would do in your life. Too many times we pray Nike prayers. Like, we think we know what we need. And so we just start talking about, like, Lord, just help me. Just do it. Help me talk to my neighbor. Help me. And those things might be fine. They might be fine. But too many times what we need is not pragmatics. Like, how to do this. Lord, cause my heart to love you. Because it's out of the overflow of I love you that everything will flow. Everything will flow. Uh, Get out of your head. I'm not saying detach thinking from praying. (laughs) Don't do that. There's there's Christians, and I'm using air quotes for anybody that might listen and can't see, who say, clear all your mind when you pray. Well, that is not a Christian prayer. It's like Middle Eastern. It's, It's not good. You fill your mind with the Word of God. That informs how you pray to God. You cannot clear your mind of all the things you know, or I don't know who you're praying to, but you're not praying to the God of the Bible. And there are Christian books like this. They're crap, and most of them are in... Well, uh, I caught myself, Sam. (laughs) No need to be offensive. Help me, Lord. You know what's convicting to me? Lots of things. But it's the thought that Jesus willingly went to the cross with joy to make a way for me to pray and I don't go to the throne of grace to do what he went to make a way for me to go. He went more willing to the, more willingly to the cross than I go to him in prayer. Something's out of alignment in my heart when that's true. You know what it is for me many times is I think I can do a lot of things. I'm pretty impressed with Scott Rising. You're like, well, you're not that impressive. I know. But we all have blind spots. <laughs> we do. You have them too. I just think I can get this done. Oh, I'm so American. <laughs> just do it. Just get on with the work. Get busy. Who has time to pray? Oh, you better make time. Because the things we're seeking to do, you and I can't do. We can't do it. Plan a church. You can't plant a church. I can barely plant a tomato plant thing. Seed. I can plant it. I can, I can, I can plant that thing, right? I don't, because it's just so easy to go buy a tomato. But, but I can plant it. But you know what I can't do? I can't make it grow. And I can't make it blossom. And I can't make it have that sweet fruit that you put on a toasted little thing with a mayo and salt and pepper and dripping down your beard if you had one. There's a lot of ladies here. I can't do that. That takes a miracle. It's a miracle. We see things like this all the time and we're just like, ah, yeah, of course it grew. Who causes it to grow? The Lord. Well, you and I, we can plant seeds of gospel work, right? We can preach, we can teach, we can hand out messages, whatever you do. We can have someone water, come along and be like, yeah, you talked about Jesus and I can do that. But you and I cannot cause it to grow. And therefore, we can't plant a church. But Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Therefore, go in good confidence knowing that your labor is never in vain that your Lord accompanies you. But can I just tell you right now, if you just keep slamming up against the wall many times, the Lord won't give you the things you think you got to have in your mission because what he wants is your heart to understand. You can't do it. You just can't do it. And don't ever equate with lots of people being in your worship service to being success. 
There are many faithful missionaries and church planners who worked their whole lives, labored their whole lives, and saw only a handful of converts. And I, I remember wrestling with this question in my own heart. If only one person ever came to faith in Christ through your efforts of leaving this and doing that, would that be sufficient for you? And I came to this. Even if none did, it would be sufficient for me. Because my call is just to be faithful. And that's what I'm aiming for. I can't cause dead people to come alive, and neither can you, and that's why we pray. We need him. We desperately need him, and he loves to do it. God calls us to intercede for those who are lost and in the domain of darkness. Intercessory prayer is, is the act of praying on behalf of others, right? God calls all Christians to join him in this joyous task. It's a joyous task. It's God's desire that every believer would be active in this Christ-magnifying work. It honors God to come to the throne of grace and pray that he would be magnified in his saving work, in the city and in the lives of his people. It honors him. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to go to God and, and speak to him and have his ear. Have his ear. He hears you. He loves to hear you. He delights in you. And don't ever think, well, he doesn't answer my prayers the way I want. I feel that. Oh, gosh, I feel that. I remember praying for my mom to come to faith for years and years, and I knew her being bipolar was just going to be a huge hurdle. But then I kept reminding myself, it's not a hurdle for God. She had a broken mind, broken heart. But she had worse than a broken heart. She had a dead heart. And I just knew, God, you can save her. Why aren't you? Why don't you? And there were times I just wanted to just quit praying. It's not going to happen. And in a moment, completely out of left field for me, my mom came to faith in Christ in one of the most, just in a way that just, I'm just thankful. Not in some weird way. It was gospel, responding in repentance and faith. <laughs> it's like all her, all her broken mind just went like, Poof. I see. And for the, the next few years, she just walked with the Lord until he called her home. <laughs> now she has a perfect mind. I think about it all the time. No, no more strain for her. But God's good if she, she wouldn't have come to faith. God didn't owe my mom anything. God didn't owe my mom anything. Actually, the only thing she was owed is just like you and I, was his wrath. And in his kindness, he just saved her. He loves to save. <laughs> you might be thinking, man, I've been praying for someone so long, and, and he just doesn't, it doesn't seem like he likes to save. Uh, it's not about our timing. Just be faithful. Pray. Don't quit praying. Don't quit believing that God delights to save. You're here. You're like, well, yeah, but I'm pretty smart, and I got badges from Awana. I don't even know what Awana is, by the way. I mean, I heard about it. But, but, you know, you got badges, I guess. I don't even know what that means. I guess it's like flair if you work at TGI Fridays or something. But, like, you memorize verses and people clap and they give you something. Um, still a miracle. Still a miracle. By the way, memorize verses, do the things, give out stickers. Um, but that doesn't mean God's going to save you. You can put a kid in a home where Jesus is prayed to, sung, gospel preached, Bible taught, I mean, there's so much kindling around that fire, but unless the Lord adds the spark to set it ablaze, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can't save anyone. And yet he says, pray that they might be saved. Labor that they might be saved. Care for them that they might be saved. Share the gospel that they might be saved. But in all of that, you better trust me because I'm the only one who can save. That's why we pray. It's, it's very simple. I'm saying the same thing a hundred different ways. So let's get real. Why don't we pray more? I, I think there's a lot of reasons. Here are common, three common reasons why Scott Rising many times doesn't pray. So I, just, I thought, well, why don't you pray? Okay, here's some. We don't think we have time. Well, but if you were to look at my Netflix account, you'd be like, eh, you got some time. And I don't think I watch that much. I used to watch a lot more. I keep paring it back, keep stripping it back. Maybe someday I'll throw out my TV, but there's some good shows, so I keep it. 
We don't think it's important. No, we don't say that. Because we're all better Christians than that. Of course, prayer is important. <laughs> right? Like, we don't believe it makes any difference. Oh, that one was hard to write. <laughs> no, I would never say that. I know better. I teach on prayer. Um, but when I get real, Scott, why aren't you praying? Those are three reasons why Scott Rising doesn't pray. Maybe you have your own list. But I bet it's close. They're all lies, by the way. We have a real enemy, and he's a deceiver. And what he loves to do is lie to you. And what we need to do is preach to ourselves and get in the Word of God and quit getting in our head. No one talks to you more than yourself. Well, how about anytime you're tempted to talk to yourself? You know what I mean by self-talk, right? How about you say, oh, it's time to get on the walkie-talkie and talk to God. What's a walkie-talkie? Your cell phone, FaceTime, whatever. Time to dial them up. You don't have to dial them up. Just talk. Pray, right? <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm going to quit. Pr listen, prayer's always hard work. It's hard work. I, I actually don't know of anything harder for me. Nothing. I don't know of anything harder for me personally than prayer. And yet, we can pray because God is our loving Father. We can go to him. He delights when we go to him. We can pray because Jesus is our mediator and, he, and he's giving us complete and unhindered access to the throne of grace. You're like, yeah, but I had such a bad day, such a bad week. I mean, I was sick. You could just boldly go before the throne of grace as a forgiven child of God and pour out your heart and you should. <laughs> you should. And because the spirit dwells in us, he empowers our prayers. He empowers us to pray. And even when we can't pray, even when we can't mutter a word, He intercedes on behalf of us. Have you ever thought about the text where it says, pray without ceasing? And you're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. I mean, none of you are praying without ceasing. I guarantee it. But in a sense, you are. You're like, well, how is that? Well, you have the Holy Spirit of God who's always in communion with the Father through the through the psalm. He's, he's always praying on your behalf. Even that thought, we think about ourselves too much. Well, I don't pray without ceasing. The Holy Spirit in you prays without ceasing. And as a people, corporately, which is really the main meaning of that text, we pray. And many times, the church as a whole prays without ceasing. But you have a God who's praying on your behalf in you, at work, through you, to pray. So we just want to join him in his work. What the church needs, by the way, there's so many things, but what the church needs, what the world needs, are men and women who have spent time in prayer more than almost anything. And in the presence of Christ. Because it's in that moment you have the aroma of Christ. It's through prayer and it's through spending time with the Lord that the overflow of our work is accomplished. So how can we increase our concern for lost people? One, I, I'm going to list them. Ready? i got to get moving here. Meditate on the grace and sufficiency of Jesus Christ to save sinners. Just meditate on it. Think on it. Chew on it. Muse on it. If you've ever ate a good meal, hopefully you don't just like shovel it all in your face and then like wash it down with something and move on to the next thing. You do that with a taco from like Taco Bell. You don't do that with a good meal. You chew on it. You savor it. You take your time. You linger at the table. Well, do the same thing on the gospel and what Christ has done to save sinners. First Timothy 1.15 would be a great place to, to fix your mind on. Another thing is meditate on the eternal state of the unrepentant. Well, that's not a cheery thought. No, it's not, but you and I need to think about it. I can't think long. I really can't. I can't think there long. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon called uh, Sinners in the Hands of of a wrathful or angry God. Angry God. Read it. You can get it on Amazon and you don't have to buy it. You can just download it. Read it if you need some help thinking. John 3.36 would be a good place to look. Meditate on God's convicting and drawing power. Yeah, John 6.8 6, 6.44 And then pray for God to increase your love and accessibility to lost people. You, you know, I, I added that last point 
after our basics conference. We went to basics, and I'll tell you what, I, I am such a, a coveter. <laughs> this, this building that we went to was so nice. Oh, so it's just so clean. It was like, it's like heaven came down in Ohio. And I didn't even think anything great happened in Ohio. I, I stand by it, sis, right? Like, we can fight afterwards, but you're going to win. I mean, I'm just tired and I'm not going to fight back. But I didn't know anything good really was exciting there. But this building, this people, it's, it's beautiful. It's stunning. Birds are everywhere there. They just all sing. The grass is so green. Like, I don't even know how to finish that statement. It's just stunning like trees were blooming the air was cleaner the people there were bright shiny happy joyful pastors who were all faking it for the most part like but it was just so nice and I just thought man I want that I just want that I told Kevin I'm like totally coveting right now I'm like I'm gonna repent in a minute I just want to enjoy this for one more <laughs> say that tongue-in-cheek kind of and then we finished out our, our conference um, by going to, I won't name the place, but a, a smoke, a cigar lounge. You're like, oh, can you do that as a pastor? I don't know, but I did, and I loved it. <laughs> and while we were there, we were hanging out with a bunch of lost folks in a very smoky room. <laughs> and they were wild. <laughs> they, they were, they, so, so they got this accent. I won't try to do it because I could just hear my daughter. Don't do that. so insulting. Um, but, but in this accent, this deep accent, they're just like, so, pa oh, so, Pastor Dave, are these guys priests too? Because they just don't get it. And Dave doesn't even try to fix that. He goes, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, Priest Scott, I like this, right? <laughs> so we sit down and we're smoking cigars. And I'll tell you what, I'm like, this is why we church plant. I, I could be at that building where it's nice. And I mean, hopefully someday maybe we'll have a building. I don't really care. Sometimes I care. Um, where it's nice and the grass is green and everything just looks like shiny, happy, bright people. But I'm like, but this is where the work's done. This is where the work's done. These guys don't know the Lord. Oh, God save them. God save them. And Dave's been laboring there, man. He's been laboring. He's been praying for him. He's been sharing the gospel. And I know he's sharing the gospel because they're wrestling with it. And the one guy's gone to church now and he, he's not saved. He's highlighting all the wrong things about church. Maybe he is saved. I don't know that. But my guess is no. And I thought, I have the rest of eternity to enjoy what that was. And even that's not heaven. Give me a break. They don't, they don't allow beards. It's weird. There'll be beards in heaven, I bet. And you can't have them there. Weird. I was stuck on that. That bothered me. This is till that day, till Jesus returns, this is where I'm at. And it might not make sense to my onlooking friends, even those who say they love Jesus. And to that I say, I don't really care. I don't care. If you're listening, I don't care. I'd rather go to heaven poor and wrung out than give myself to fluffing up a bunch of sheep who already know the gospel and don't give a rip about the sheep that are in the gutter dying. I'd rather just, just give me Greensburg or just, I always said, I don't want to be careful with what I pray for. <laughs> give me Greensburg or I die. <laughs> and I want you to have that heart because I can't do it. And you can't do it, but God will do it through us. Oh, I believe that. And if he doesn't, you will go stand before the Lord knowing you did what he called you to do. Because that's what we're talking about. So give yourself to this labor. My timer's out. I think that went quicker today. I think there's an error in that clock. The third point. And we'll be done soon. I know it's Mother's Day and everybody's got plans, but I, I'm going to say this. The third point is this is our aim. It's our aim. You can see it. Brothers, Romans 10.1, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for them that they may be saved. That's our aim. That's why we do it. I'm going to paint one picture and then we'll be done. Um, there's a picture that really impacted me that a lady who used to go to our church would show me. And she's like, you know, every time I talk to you, and this is just God's grace. It's not like, so you're like, oh, that's nice. Show me. 
And it was a picture of people in the water, and it's a little bit emotionally manipulative, but I get it. They're in the water and they're drowning. And the church is up on the beach and they're playing cards and they got their umbrellas and they're drinking their virgin Mai Tais and they're listening to, you know, Hillsong or whatever's in now. And they're all doing that while everyone is in this tumultuous water and they're drowning and they're dying and there's one guy and he's standing on a rock that's right near the shore and he's casting out life preservers and everyone else can't even see him they're just so enamored by their picnic to that picture john piper said something like this actually i don't even know if he saw the picture but it's almost hard to believe he didn't he said surely it's unthinkable that we should be drugged from the bottom of the lake resuscitated at the cost of another's life, handed the instruments of rescue, and then just sit down and play cards on the beach while others are drowning. Is that not unthinkable in your own life? It is. It's unthinkable. God, have mercy on your people who don't see the lost. All right. Man, there's so much good stuff here, you guys. And I'm serious. Like, I'm going to read one more quote and we're done. I don't normally read a ton of quotes, but I'm going to read one more. This is how I wanted to finish the sermon, so I'm going to finish the sermon. Charles Spurgeon said this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions. And let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. The God that saves you, the God that saved you, delights to save he delights to save God make us a prayerful people make our hearts sing I'm going to pray and then Pastor Kevin will continue to lead us in our worship Father I, I, I have one simple prayer align our hearts with you make us a prayerful people cause us to desire to talk to you in prayer more than we long to do anything else in this life. We cannot do it. You're so willing. Help us. In Christ's name. Amen.